an open letter to online survey creators. This is Journal Report. Timely topics, important information. From the Wall Street Journal. Welcome to the Journal Report. I'm Charlie Turner in New York. You've just bought a product or signed up for a service online. That may have been an ordeal in itself, but then you're asked to take an online survey that asks questions, many of which your worst enemy shouldn't have to answer. Wall Street Journal contributor Alexandra Samuel has some suggestions for these survey purveyors, but these suggestions are in the form of her own survey for the surveyors if that's the right word. Alex joins us now. First, Alex, I've got to hand it to you for taking the survey in the first place. Many people would think, why bother with these inane surveys? I am a chronic feedback giver. I give people my feedback whether they want it or not. And um, if I've had a notable service experience or I'm excited about a product, I like to tell the company what I think about it. And of course, if I'm frustrated, I like to share that too. But isn't it just a temptation not to just go through the whole survey and after three questions just say, you know, the heck with it? Sure. And, and sometimes I do. And the reasons I give up on a survey are, you know, exactly the kinds of, of issues I pointed out in this piece, which is that, you know, when a survey is poorly designed, when it's asking me questions that are fundamentally unanswerable or which I feel uncomfortable answering, then I will uh, give up. And in fact, that's one of the metrics that market researchers pay attention to for exactly that reason, how many um, people abandon their surveys in the process, because if that's happening, you probably designed a bad survey. Well, you've been a market researcher and designed online surveys. You say that having been on both sides of the screen, you have thought about how to make online surveys smarter, more meaningful, more fun to take, and ultimately more useful. So you've designed your own survey for creators of online surveys. Why don't you describe your survey beginning with the first question? Well, my my very first question is, why are you sending me a survey? Because, you know, all too often I do receive surveys from companies and I think, what is even the point? You can almost hear the conversation taking place in some uh, windowless office where somebody said, we have to do a customer survey. And nobody had a reason to do it. It was just time to do a survey. So we're going to send out a survey. And if you don't know why you're sending me a survey, don't send me the survey. Question number two, don't you know this already? This is the question I really became attuned to because in my life working with a with a intelligent software company, we did some experiments where we combined social media data with survey data. And part of what you realize really quickly is that all kinds of questions that typically take up a ton of time on surveys are things that we already know if somebody's logged into a survey through Facebook. We know their birthday. We know their gender, at least their, their notional claim, to, claim of gender to Facebook. We know where they live. We might know how many friends they have and so on. You know, the idea that we waste people's time asking them a million things that they've either told us in previous surveys or told us on social media or that we know because we have their customer loyalty card data, um, you know, it just isn't in anybody's interest. Number three, I love. Would you be able to answer this question? That's a question that reflects a mistake I have made many, many times in um, designing surveys. And, and you know, I, I think in particular about some of the first surveys I designed when I first started doing this kind of research. And, you know, you write the survey because you have all these questions about, you know, whatever topic you're in, in investigating. Maybe it's music taste. 
and it, you've designed this like super awesome survey. You're so excited to get all the data. And then you do the one last final run through just to make sure that, you know, all the questions are loading properly. And when you do the run through, you, you know, you have to answer the questions. And, you know, I think a lot of people go through that process and they just randomly click buttons because they're just looking to make sure that the survey is technically functional. But I always like to actually take the survey and think about what my answer actually is. And it's amazing how often during that process, I discover that actually I can't answer this question. And that's why I think it's really important for all of us to always take the surveys we put out because, you know, the truth of the matter is sometimes the questions you ask, particularly if you're trying to ask people about big picture behaviors, like all the times they bought cereal in the past year or how often they play video games, you know, it's not necessarily a question people can answer, which is why it's often better to ask a really specific question. What was the last video game you played? How many boxes of cereal did you buy this week? And by shortening the time horizon or narrowing the question, you make it more answerable. And the fourth question that you have for these online purveyors, Alex, is can't this be more fun, as in BuzzFeed? Yes, we are looking to the BuzzFeedification of our society. And, you know, one place that I think we should give BuzzFeed some credit is their quizzes. I mean, the the quizzes are in some ways a blight upon the earth. Um, You know, (laughs) there's only so many TV shows you want to Uh, identify your character on. Um, But that said, the playfulness of BuzzFeed is something that I think a lot of survey designers can learn from. And there's no reason that market research surveys have to be written in a boring voice. They can be written like an actual human being. They can be visual. They can have drag and drop and sorting questions. And, you know, the more we can mix it up and and make it engaging both in tone and in structure, um, the better people's survey experiences will be and the better the research quality will be. I'm speaking with Wall Street Journal contributor Alexander Samuel, and you're listening to The Journal Report. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Alex, you've basically written a column where you have sort of designed your own survey with questions for uh, the purveyors of often pointless online surveys. So we're up to number five in your suggested questions out of nine here. And the next question you asked is, have you ever used a mobile phone? Yes. And, you know, this is a question a lot of people in the research industry have really uh, had to grapple with because as people spend more and more of their online time on their phones, we really need to design surveys that provide a good experience on a phone. And all too often, you know, you'll see surveys that, you know, technically work on a mobile phone, but are kind of awful to answer um, because you have to just scroll endlessly or page through many additional pages. And so, uh, you know, it it really is a best practice at this point to think about designing your surveys in a way that's truly mobile friendly um, in some situations to design, you know, separate mobile optimized surveys and then think about how you'll treat that when you combine the data sets at the end. You know, you, you just can't approach a four-inch screen as a research tool the same way you approach a 20-inch It's It's true. They're not very user-friendly. Let's move on down here. Number six, your question is, why are you showing this question to me? Yeah, well, I mean, this 
is another really common gripe. And again, it's something I never thought about until I started designing surveys myself. But, you know, many of us will have that experience when we're taking a survey where you really just want to skip past questions that aren't relevant to you. And again, this is another reason people will abandon surveys because you reach a question that you can't answer and you don't have an option to skip the question. Um, But those scenarios shouldn't even happen because a good survey design factors in uh, the logic of questions that don't make sense based on previous answers. And so it should be more intuitive. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, that's really what needs to happen is think about the questions that can be skipped and program your survey, even if if it takes a little extra time so that people only see the questions that are relevant to them. The number seven suggested question that you have for these online survey providers, do you really care what I think? Well, it's funny. This is probably the very first thing I ever wrote about customer feedback was an experience I had many years ago with Apple where I had actually had a terrific customer service experience with them, but their survey only asked me about my complaints and didn't give me an opportunity to tell them how fantastic my experience had been. And so I was really gratified to get an Apple support survey this past weekend where they actually did give me that open field. And I just really encourage researchers to always provide that comment field somewhere in a survey so that people can share whatever insights they want to share and to recognize that even if those open-ended questions, as they're called in the business, are hard to work with as data, they can still be hugely useful when it comes to telling the story of your research findings. There's nothing like a quote to really bring a data story to life. Number eight is, do you work alone and you have... Of course, misspelled alone, the point being there's so many typos and other grammatical misdeeds. Absolutely. In just about every context, when my husband and I go out for dinner, the first thing we do is copy out of the menu. And I know that not everybody feels like it's nails on a blackboard to see a grammatical or spelling error. But the truth is, those of us are, who, who feel like that are out there. And if you annoy us in your survey design by not proofreading, you are systemically buying, biasing your results because you're annoying one group of people who I suspect are not typical of your population. And I would say, Alex, that the last question is probably the best question. Given these terrible surveys, don't you want me to love your brand? This is really the meta question. You know, it's extraordinary considering that market research or, or customer insight mostly lives under the CMO, that it, it functions as if the primary role of marketing, namely to build the customer's brand, loyalty, and relationship, is not relevant. It's like you got all these people in a marketing department who spend all their time making the website look beautiful, making the stores look beautiful, making every single piece of paper that comes out of the business look beautiful. And then the folks down the hall in Customer Insight are, you know, these sort of abstractly functional researchers who don't think in terms of customer experience. But a survey, a feedback form, is part of your customer's experience, and you need to lavish attention and care on it the same way you would with every other customer touch point. Wall Street Journal contributor Alexandra Samuel, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. And that's the Journal Report. Thanks for listening. I'm Charlie Turner at the News Desk in New York. Stand by for a new podcast experience. The Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal, coming Friday, May 19th. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. 
and every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.